Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the prophet Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10 through chapter 62, verse 3, from Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 through 25, and chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, the gospel according to John chapter 1, verse 1 through 18, and Psalm 147, verse 13 through 21. In the name of God who creates us, who reconciles us, and who sustains us. Amen. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Would you like to know what I'm giving myself for Christmas? Well, I'm planning to travel with our choir on their trip to Scotland, which is now planned for the summer of 23. And I'm really looking forward to it. Now, on a couple of similar past trips to Ireland, they were Celtic pilgrimages, we visited Newgrange. Newgrange is an absolutely huge Stone Age monument built in 3200 BC. That's before Christ was even born. It's even older than Stonehenge or the pyramids of Egypt. Now it is best known for illumination of its 62 foot long passageway that Joyce and I crawled through <laughs> and the inner chamber. It's lit up by the winter solstice sun at the beginning of the day, and that happened, just happened, just last Tuesday. Now, in the recent PBS uh, special, Nova's Universe Revealed, anybody see that show? It's really awesome. Astronomers' analysis of light, it kind of takes us on a magic carpet ride all the way back in time to the very creation of our universe, or really it's God's universe. And I learned something new. I learned that in the very earliest moments, there was this roiling, churning plasma. It was an immense ocean of energy and space-time, I am told. There was no matter, no visible light present a formless void and darkness covering the face of the deep. So the Big Bang happened 13.8 billion years ago. Then the first stars and galaxies came about. And God's cosmos includes billions of galaxies and trillions of stars and planets for us to behold. And only yesterday, if you caught the news, NASA finally got to launch the James Webb Space Telescope for even better views of the past. It's all, to me, so very truly awesome. Our sun and solar system formed only recently. And life originated in the oceans just really yesterday. And so here we are, 8 billion of us creatures crawling around on this planet at a very critical time in our history in chaotic community on this remote, 
third rock from the sun. It's our island home we call Earth. It's a very little blue water planet going around a modest star in a tiny corner of the Milky Way galaxy. And we are in a vast universe, vast. It's very awe-inspiring to me. And I, you know, I ask, God, where, where are you in all of this? Where are you? Well, if you have that question, I'm glad you asked, because in the gospel reading today, John tells us. John describes what it must have been like for God to see their own child being born. In John's beautifully written prologue, he describes the revelation of God's self to us. And unlike Mark, who introduces the adult Jesus through his baptism by John in the River Jordan, or Matthew and Luke, who begin with the nativity in Bethlehem, John reaches way back into human, or be, before human history. I mean, way beyond, even before Newgrange, before Eden, even before the Big Bang. Transcending time and space. Now, time and space is a limit to us, but not to God, not to God. John reveals to us so much more than the mere magnificent universe that we continue to explore and study. John describes this, this state of existence, an instance, you might say, an, an instance, or you could call it a state of existence, where, where and when the word already was. And then John triple dog dares us to visualize a vantage point of eternity. Now that's awe-inspiring, but it's downright mind-boggling. For example, how many of us can really conceive the possibility of time having a beginning? Or for that matter, the coexistence of past, present, and future. Paraphrasing John in the Gospel reading, all things came to being through this word, through the word, Jesus, who is life, who is light, and who outshines the darkness. Now that's very mystical, very and transcendent. But John then writes, the word became flesh, flesh, and lived among us. Now the Latin term carnus really vividly describes the incarnation event. Carnus means enfleshment or life in the flesh. The incarnation is the very meat of the gospel. It's a mystery, a mystery of God becoming a real human being. 
The French philosopher and Christian mystic, she was also a political activist, Simone Weil says this about the Incarnation in her circa 1940s writings, which were compiled later on in a book called Waiting for God. She wrote, the infinity of space and time separates us from God. How are we to seek God? We cannot take a step toward the heavens. God crosses the universe and comes to us. God crosses the universe and comes to us. But why go to all the trouble, God? Why, why do this? Well, I think because that we are matter and that we do matter are why God steps into the creation at a particular time and place of God's own choosing. Or as Paul puts it, when the fullness of time had come. When the fullness of time had come. You know, our reckoning in time in Greek is called chronos. Chronological time, you know, like tick-tock, tick-tock goes the clock. As a matter of fact, New Year is right around the corner. But kairos is how God reckons time and reckons history. In Greek, kairos means the right or opportune moment when something special will happen. At this Christmas time, we once again celebrate God crossing the universe, coming to us here and now. So when God did this to live with us, God came to live with us in a definite particular place and time and a particular generation of people among a certain particular culture and people and government, economics, and politics. God became a particular human being, taking on a particular male body with a particular female soul named Jesus. Now, this is all very earthy stuff, but paradoxically, John became one of us with our human limitations to relate to us in a particular way. But again, you have to ask, why, God? Why? Well, I can only think and hope that God's very being is love, and the only way to re relate in a loving way and loving grace and mercy, well, is in person, in person. God loves, therefore we are. God became a human being in order to demonstrate up close and personal that real, authentic, practiced love, what it's all about. To reconcile, to heal, to liberate, to serve, and all the while allowing us the freedom to make a choice. Simon Vey also said this, over the infinity of space and time, the infinitely more infinite love of God comes to possess us. God comes at God's own time. We have the power to consent to receive God or to refuse. 
if we remain deaf, God comes back again and again like a beggar. So I ask you, haven't we all said yes to a beggar at least one time in our life to reach out with a helping hand at least once in person? A lot of times, you know, we assume that God is somewhere up there that we need to figure out how to get up there to find God. Like, you know, we're going to be able to do that, right? Is it too good to be true that God made a giant leap reaching out for humanity by coming down here to be with us? That Jesus is real star stuff, just like us, a body of flesh and blood, embodied, alive, incarnated? Or would we rather fantasize about something otherworldly, you know, like something out there like the Force, which, by the way, is only accessible to Jedis? But not so with Jesus, because the imminent person Jesus is how God relates to all of us, one-on-one -on -one and in community. And furthermore to that, each one of us was made in the image of God. Each one of us is a unique, particular image of God, of Jesus. We are born children of God, says the gospel. We are fellow incarnates on our journey, eking out an existence on this earth, fellow incarnates. It was in solidarity that Jesus came to us as a helpless infant, and then later as a vulnerable adult to example interdependency and connectedness in the human family. God deliberately did this. God deliberately presents God's self as a needful, poor, naked, tortured, bleeding, and crucified Jesus, acting like such a beggar for our sake, suffering as we all do. We all share that. There's such soulful solidarity. Jim Hennessian once preached that all bodies are occasion for God's presence. All bodies are occasion for God's presence. Suffering bodies. Suffering. John tells us that everything came into being through the word Jesus, who is full of grace and truth. Now, in the early church, the word was understood to be the creative power of God in action. Wisdom and compassion in action. All flesh is an opportunity to be in a conversation with the word. Like, you know, to speak, speak to love, speak truth to power, acting creatively. 
we're so much into that that, you know, baptism, our baptism signifies our intent to love and to do love in community. But acting out of fear instead causes scandal in our little corner of the universe, in our neighborhood. Really unnecessary, unjustified, self-imposed suffering. And Christmas is a time that I get so joyful that God so cares about this little speck of us. It's also a time to celebrate rebirth and new beginnings, like to prepare ourselves for incarnation. Incarnation standing in front of us to be the incarnation, to see Jesus in ourselves and to see Jesus in others and the other, to be present and to give our presence. Now, Phil Duvall really preached it in three of our Christmas Eve services in regard to the dilemma facing us of evil and suffering, Phil pointed out that we all ask, why is God letting this happen? Why God? And the answer to that question is very elusive. And, you know, trying to figure it out is frustrating, even self-defeating, because ultimately we really don't know. We don't. What we do know that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God is here and now in solidarity with us. Phil also pointed out the better question to ask is, where do we see God? Where do we see God in our lives and in others' lives? God is love, right? Yes. So Phil said, Let's look for the love. Look for the love. We are an interdependent community of needful people. You know, I like the uh, African philosophy of Ubuntu espoused by Archbishop Desmond Tutu on his visit to this very place many years ago, and may re he rest in peace. God bless him. And that is because the, the, the philosophy is, I am because we are. I am because we are. So we might very well want to ask ourselves, what am I doing to help others, the other? And the other one is, what have I done or not done that harms them? Sins of commission and omission. But we can all take heart in what John wrote over two, only 2,000 years ago. Each one of us is unique. Each one of us is precious in God's sight. God is love. We are loved. We love because we are. Amen.